Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Give Them the Sports Biz. It's Dan Abone coming to you from beautiful San Francisco and joined, like always, with the sports agent representing New York City. He is the prod of Manhattan. Say hello to Matt Marino. Matt, what's going on today? What's up, Dan? It's actually uh, beautiful in New York today, too. Not no, it's beautiful in San Francisco, man. <laughs> the last time I talked to you, it was overcast and cloudy, and it was like in the middle of August, but we got sunshine. So that's a good place to start because it is definitely sunny in the world of the San Francisco 49ers tight end, a guy by the name of George Kittle, a fifth-round draft pick. We wanted to start there because we're going to get into contract talk, and we're also going to talk about how, unlike some of the other sports, when you play a certain position, there seems to be a certain limit as to how much you can or cannot make. And so we start with George Kittle because he signed a historic deal because it's, it's the most money than any other NFL tight end as of right now, where he's pulling down 15 mil a year in a $75 million contract. First of all, why don't you walk us through some of the numbers and then let's talk more along the lines and as far as his value to the team and his, if he's underpaid. But let's talk starting with the contract and your thoughts and walk us through some of the numbers if you could, Matt. Yeah, for sure. You know, so it's, it's tough to say that anyone's underpaid at, at five years and 75 million. Um, but you know, it's, we'll, we'll get around to that a little bit, but um, you know, but when I, I think, you know, looking at Kittle's contract five years, 75 million is a total value, you know, coming out to 15 million a year. Um, his total guarantee is $40 million. Um, the most significant part is the guaranteed at signing uh, $30 million. And, you know, the reason that matters the most, um, because it includes an $18 million signing bonus. Um, so in that sense, you know, he'll earn no less, you know, than that money um, as compared to what he was earning from the 49ers in his first three years, uh, which was $1.9 million on his rookie contract. You know, being a fifth round pick, it, you know, it, it kind of has some benefits. You know, one, if you outperform that contract, you're, you're going to get a big one. You're going to get a good one, um, you know, early, sooner rather than later. Um, and, and Kittle is certainly getting that you know, as, as the 49ers and what I kind of call him is their primary pass catcher. Um, you know, obviously he plays a big role in that, that entire offense, you know, from a blocking standpoint, uh, physicality standpoint, but then certainly being able to stretch the field, um, you know, run some vertical routes and, and create some mismatches. Um, but certainly, you know, something that's, you know, very significant is that he's getting $15 million per year, uh, new money. Um, and that resets the market for tight ends. Um, you know, the previous highest paid player at the position, the tight end position was Hunter Henry, um, San Diego Chargers tight end, who was earning $10.6 million. Chargers, sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Los Angeles Chargers. Man, I knew that was going to get me one of these times. Um, who's earning 10.6, you know, on a franchise tag. Um, so, you know, for non-tag tight ends, um, you're, then you're looking at Austin Hooper, you know, who's at $10.5 million a year. And then obviously, you know, Travis Kelsey comes in just behind Kittle um, with his new deal. But, um, but yeah, certainly significant for George Kittle, you know, that he's getting, you know, the, uh, you know, the $30 million guaranteed at signing, you know, in the form of $18 million signing bonus. So gives him a lot of stability, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of surety, I, I would say, going forward that franchise. So you've been in these meetings before. So just take me through this. If you're representing George Kittle, okay, and I'm the San Francisco 49ers, and I start at that Hunter Henry number, right? And we, we take a look at the highest paid tight end of the NFL, 
and he's making 10 and a half. As they like to say, they're running the comps. And this is what they, this is what the comps tell me is that Hunter Henry is at 10 and a half. That's the highest paid tight end in the NFL. Let's use that as the barometer. Let's use that as the measuring stick. What would you say counter to that if you're representing Mr. Kittle? Well, you know, yeah, he's a tight end by position. Um, and unfortunately, you know, in the NFL tight ends are, you know, not one of the premium positions. Um, you know, that's that's reserved for quarterbacks, left tackles, uh, defensive ends. Um, but but for him, um, I think what is significant is that he is their main, you know, their main target, their main pass catcher in the offense. Um, you know, he's obviously Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite target. Uh, he does a lot, you know, not just in the running game. He's a, he's a very similar kind of chess piece where he can be utilized in a number of different fashions. Um, what I think is is significant with his with his contract, you know, the forty million dollars that's guaranteed, is seventeen million dollars more than the previous high for a tight end, um, you know, which was Hooper's over in, in Cleveland. Um, and then, you know, I think looking back at how the tight end position has kind of you know uh, proactively changed and, um, you know, increase in the way that, you know, the tight end can, you know, create some mismatches, um, uh, on the, on the defense, um, you know, Kittle really kind of comes in that, in that range, you know, he, he hits that, he hits those, he checks those boxes, so to speak. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I don't call him, you know, look, he, he's a tight end by position. And if you were in a franchise tag him, he'd have to be a tight end, you know, going back to the, uh, you know, the, um, the Jimmy Graham years when he was, uh, you know, being pegged as a wide receiver tight end, he ended up getting tagged as a tight end. Um, you know, Kittle would be in that tight end category. Um, but really, you know, you could check him as an offensive weapon for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and I think that's really what the contract shows. Um, he was not paid as a tight end. Um, and in this situation, you know, the 49ers um, and, and certainly George Kittle's agent uh, and George Kittle himself, you know, realized that, um, had the foresight to realize that. And, um, you know, he came out, you know, with a great deal. I guess my point is he gets the $15 million a year over the next five years, which is makes him the highest paid tight end. You talked about the guaranteed money, but I guess where I wanted to go with this is that if you're forget about the tight end and forget about the position, if you're the most valuable offensive player on that team, then why don't you command the money like that of Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think is around $27, $28 million a year? Maybe you're not a quarterback, but if you're the most valuable member offensively on that team, and as you look at the way the 49ers are currently comprised, it's, it's basically offensively, where's George Kittle? And it's, it's George Kittle-centric. So if you start at the quarterback at $27 million, why not, why can't he come in somewhere in that neighborhood or why can't he command more money than that of a wide receiver if his significance to the football team is more valuable than that of any other player yeah i mean it's it's a really good point and you know teams will always struggle with that they're going to you know they're going to put positions in certain categories where they're looking to pay that money if they feel that look if they're going to commit so much salary to, you know to a quarterback um, to your premium position, premier positions, um, you know, and, and obviously the quarterback is is the, the premiers of them all. Um, you know, they think it, and, and they're accurate. It affects the rest of the, you know, the rest of the franchise um, in terms of being able to compete. Um, I think, you know, one way to look at it is looking at the entire NFL and, you know, the new money in Kittle's extension. 
because um, it is an extension, makes him the 57th highest paid player in the NFL uh, in terms of annual salary. And that ties him with Ezekiel Elliott, um, you know, a very high profile player, you know, as a running back on the Dallas Cowboys. So it, it goes to what you're saying, Dan. It, it goes, it supports that, you know, tight ends, you know, are a little undervalued. Um, and, you know, clearly, um, you know, George Kittle as, you know, you know I, I think he's probably, you know, um, you know, within that, you know, top 15, you know, maybe a little bit higher, you know, best player, regardless of his position, um, you know, is, is really getting the money that he deserves. Um, it's just unfortunate, the same way that the running back position has been devalued. And because of that, um, obviously careers have been, you know, been cut short, uh, you know, because you can just get cheap labor. Um, and that's what the NFL really is. It's, it's a cheap labor league. Um, you know, with the running back position devalued, linebackers became devalued. And then going from there, the interior offensive line became devalued. Um, you know, unless you're, you know, probably a handful of teams that, you know, value the interior of the offensive line more than the outside. Uh, one being in the New Orleans Saints because their quarterbacks, you know, only six foot one. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's really just the way the NFL goes. Is it's a lot of a copycat league. Um, and, you know, when one team starts to devalue a position, um, it, it really does go around, you know, team by team. Just to let people know, sort of the pay structure when it comes to the NFL, they take a look, the, the most valuable player on the team is the quarterback. Yeah. He will get the most money. Then it's the guy who protects the quarterback, usually the left tackle, who will get the second most money. Mm -hmm. Then it's the guys who rush and or try and sack or put pressure on the quarterback. They'll make the third most money. And then it goes on from there. I guess what we were talking about, before we went on to the podcast, if you were to compare this to any other sport, baseball, basketball, some of the other major professional sports, it does not matter if you're Buster Posey in the squat behind the plate or if you're, if you're Albert Pujols at first base or Mr. Trout in the outfield, if you're the most valuable player, if you have the most impact on, that, on your particular team, you are going to get paid accordingly. And the same in the NBA. You could be Steph Curry at 6'1 or 6'2, or you could be Kevin Durant at 6'10. It doesn't matter if you're a point guard who can shoot it, or it doesn't matter if you're a 6'10 inch guy who can play multiple positions. If you have value, you will get paid accordingly. But for whatever reason, when it comes to the NFL, we have these sort of limitations in terms of how much a guy can make. Because if you play tight end, well, there's a certain ceiling as far as you commanding a certain amount of dollars. I just wanted to throw this out there. What about coaches? First of all, do coaches work against the salary cap? And secondly, I mean, how do you put a, a value on someone like Bill Belichick to that of the New England Patriots, right? But, yeah. <laughs> but then again, when you look at coaches' salaries, you know, there's, there's a ceiling as to how much those guys can make as well. They're not, you know, they're not pulling down $45 million a year like that of, of a Patrick Mahomes. But yet when you talk about value, again, what are the Patriots without Bill Belichick? So, Again, everybody sort of lives in these boxes in the NFL, which is unlike the other professional sports. Yeah. No, and it's, it's a tremendous point, too, because, you know, coaching is such an important aspect in the NFL. And obviously, look, you know, Bill, Bill Belichick, you know, he's the guy on top of that pyramid. You know, he's making $12 million a year. Um, you know, Pete Carroll's under him at eleven. Well, John Gruden slid in there at 10, but that's for other reasons. Um, you know, but I, I think one of significance, and he's a new coach, is Matt Rule, uh, Carolina Panthers. He's the sixth highest paid coach in the NFL. He's never coached a game. Um, you know, so 
you know, ab above guys that, you know, you would uh, anticipate would be, you know, further, you know, much further above him. Um, you know, so yeah, you're talking about, um, you know, a brand new coach coming out of Baylor, you know, above a guy like Mike Tomlin. Um, let's see, was there Andy Reed, uh, Doug Peterson. Um, so it's certainly, um, you know, coaches do not count against the salary cap. That's one thing to put out there. Certainly that's a, that's a different uh, pay scale. Um, so then you would think they could command more money, right? Yeah. That's, and that's exactly right. They don't have, they don't have the salary structure that, that the players have. This is not, you know, coaches are not, you know, cheap labor. Um, you know, the one thing that I think does hamstring coaches a little bit is that, you know, you do have a massive amount of coaches um, on a staff, you know, you're, you're looking at 20 coaches, a staff, you know, so to put together a staff is, is significant, you know, funds. And, and obviously um, the NFL franchise, you know, each ownership group has to make the determination of what they want to commit to that. Um, and that's their decision. Clearly, um, you know, the, there isn't a salary cap that is, is, you know, kind of put together by revenue. Um, but, but you're exactly on point though. Um, you know, NFL head coaches are very, very important, uh, you know, members of the, of the franchise, you know, and I think that's, you know, maybe a little bit different, you know, than Major League Baseball. Um, I think obviously, you know, if you're going to rank them, you would probably have an NFL head coach as being more important than an MLB manager. Um, you know, I, I think the NBA, you know, the fact that you're, you know, you're only coaching five guys at a time, you know, 12 guys in the roster, you know, I think that probably impacts it a little bit. You know, the NFL, you're coaching 53, 63 with the practice squad, um, you know, so it, it does take, you know, some more work. And then, on the flip side, you know, the NBA, you're talking about, you know, a, uh, you know, an 84 game season, major league baseball in normal years, 161 or 162, um, you know, plus the playoffs. So um, there's a lot of give and take there, but, but certainly, um, you know, coaches should feel the need to, uh, you know, to raise the, raise the roof a little bit. Some recent signings in the NFL were on the other side of the ball. We're just, we did a show on this a couple of, couple of weeks back where Miles Garrett became the highest paid defensive player in the history of the NFL, soon to be eclipsed by that of Joey Bosa, the defensive end for that of the Los Angeles Chargers. And we can also discuss his counterpart on the other side, the other edge rusher being Melvin Ingram. But let's talk about Bosa's new deal. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bosa, whew, that guy came out looking great, man. Um, <laughs> this guy, you know, Joey Bosa, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it probably, you know, came from his 2016 uh, holdout. Uh, maybe that held over a little bit till 2020 and the Chargers didn't want to, um, you know, didn't want to risk that again when he held out on his rookie deal. Um, when these rookie deals, Wait, let me normal. cut you off right yeah. there. Cause you always hear about a player holding out, and that typically works negatively against the player from a PR standpoint. And then you look at, speaking of the Los Angeles Chargers, you don't have to look any further than Melvin Gordon holding out last year and how that blew up in his face. But as you underline, this actually is an indication and an example of a player holding out and it becomes beneficial because the Chargers recognize they can't afford not to have him in camp. And so because he held out once before, there's that threat he'd do it again. And that influenced them going to the table and paying him that big deal, no? Oh, my God, yeah. And I mean, and when I say he did well, I mean, he did outstanding for a defensive player. But he did extremely well for a position. It doesn't matter what position, for any position. Um, I mean, you're talking about, you know, just the threat of it. And obviously – 
look, you know, like we talked about, he's got, you know, 40 sacks in 51 games. So a little under a sack a game, you know, one pro bowl, pro bowl appearance in four years. And he's, and he's missed 13 games, um, you know, due to injury, but you know that really didn't, you know, come into play when, when doing this deal. Um, I mean, he got a signing bonus of 35 million, um, a fully guaranteed roster bonus, uh, which was just due two days ago um, for 7 million. Um, his 2020 base salary is a million fully guaranteed at signing. His 2021 base salary is 13 uh, million fully guaranteed at signing. And, and those are kind of just the, you know, some of the, the smaller points of it. Um, I think the significant in the, the comps, you know, is that the $35 million that he got at signing um, is second only to Aaron Donald um, among all defensive players. Um, but then the $7 million roster bonus that he just received on August 15th um, pushes his, his, you know, his upfront money to 42 million. Um, so, you know, Bosa really, um, he, he became the first player, uh, first, sorry, first defensive player um, and probably the first player has to have a quarterback to get three years of compensation fully guaranteed at signing. Um, so what that means is, is that he's getting $78 million in full guarantees. Um, the only other players to have done that are Matt Ryan, quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, Kirk Cousins, quarterback. Um, and then on top of that, he gets a fourth year, which in all likelihood will be guaranteed um, because he's got a $24 million injury only base salary. Um, and that hits in 2023 um, and 2023 vests in 22. So the Chargers are really committed to Joey Bosa. Um, you know, it's not, look, it's not what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes in turn, terms of, you know, 500 million. Um, but the early cash flow um, in Bosa's deal actually, you know, leaves Mahomes way behind him. Um, you know, Mahomes got $10 million signing bonus. That's $25 million less than Bosa. Um, and Mahomes gets $10.8 million in, tw- in 2020, and Bosa gets $43 million. Um, so the early money, and I always, you know, we've always harped on this, you know, contracts can change down the road. Um, the early money is very, very important. Um, you know, so, you know, through two years of the deal, Mahomes gets 33 million, um, and Bosa is getting $56 million. Um, you know, in three years, Mahomes is getting 63 million and Bosa is getting 78. And I'm sorry for rattling off all the numbers, but it's just really, you know, it's really mind blowing when you, when you comp them, you know, side by side, compare them side by side, because, you know, Joey Bosa is really blowing, Patrick Mahomes, the MVP of the NFL, Super Bowl MVP, um, you know, really away in the first three years of this deal. And, you know, as a defensive player who has had some injuries, um, you know, he's probably 25 at this point, you know, you don't know how long you're going to play for. Uh, So, you know, and then you add on the fact that there's a pandemic going on. I mean, this guy is really, really doing well. Um, he, He came out with an amazing deal from the Los Angeles Chargers. And not long, of course, before we see his brother, his little brother, that being, of course, Nick Bosa, who plays mm-hmm. the same position for the San Francisco 49ers, can just point at his brother and say, hey, <laughs> that's the measuring stick. I want that money and then some. Jerry Jones, the flamboyant owner for the Dallas Cowboys, you just alluded to this. He was in a press conference last week and talking about Dak Prescott for the first time. He addressed not being able to lock up Dak in a long-term deal. 
one of the things he pointed at was the pandemic. And he said, well, there's all this sort of uncertainty in the NFL. We don't know what's going to happen in terms of our revenue, not only this year, but maybe next year and maybe the following year. So it's a really tenuous time. But yet, with that being said, you look, as you mentioned, the Patrick Mahomes deal, the George Kittle, and now the Joey Bosa deal. So there seems to be two schools of thought in terms of teams, the franchise, the owners, and how they're treating their money as far as their stars and locking them up to long-term deals despite being in the midst of this COVID-19. Yeah, and I mean, you know, look, you know, coming from an NFL owner, you're always, you're always going to get a little bit of a, you know, a different uh, perspective, obviously. Um, you know, he's, he's got a, an agenda, clearly. Um, you know, he wants to be able to hold on to Dak Prescott. Um, I think he understands that it's going to be, you know, quite hard to do that at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're seeing a lot of teams, you know, be very aggressive, you know. And, and this is just, you know, look, these, these contracts we're just knocking off here now are, are probably within the last, you know, two, two and a half weeks. Um, you know, you're talking about some significant deals that already happened that already took place this past summer or these past couple of months um, while the pandemic has been in, you know, in, in kind of full throttle mode um, without really, you know, at the time when some of these deals were going down, you know, the Patrick Mahomes types of deals or Miles Garrett, um, there was really no um, strategy in place for the NFL, um, what their season was going to look like. Um, you know, they, some are still under the assumption they're going to play in front of fans. Um, some are under the assumption that they might play in front of fans for parts of the season, but, but clearly everyone realizes their revenue is going to be down. Um, but that doesn't really matter to certain teams, uh, certain franchises. And I think that's, look, that's what you're getting here. Um, you know, not to not Dallas Cowboys, um, you know, but you know, certain franchises are able to take advantage when there's, you know, kind of a, you know, an opportunity and, um, you know, I think that's what you're seeing with some of these, what some of these teams are doing, uh, locking up players that, you know, they drafted, they developed, um, they brought along, you know, they feel like, look, we know these players the best. We want to invest this money into them rather than going out into the free agency route, especially in this climate when it's, you know, a, a bit risky. Um, and it's, it's surprising Jerry Jones isn't following the same, uh, same pattern, but, you know, Dallas Cowboys, um, you know, they have their own, I guess they have their own strategy and, you know, we'll see what it looks like, you know, when they do get there, but in all likelihood, it, it probably is a strategy that does not include Dak Prescott. The other defensive end and the other edge rusher for the Los Angeles Chargers with Joey Bosa holding down one of the sides is of course, Melvin Ingram and Melvin Ingram is pulling a Joey Bosa from a couple of years back and he's mm -hmm. decided to hold out. Can can you tell us about the Ingram situation and where's he at with a potential new deal with the Chargers? Yeah. So, you know, he's interesting uh, really because, you know, he's 31 years old and he gets it that, um, you know, he, does, he probably doesn't have too much longer to go here. Um, you know, he might have, you know, one nice little, you know, payday coming to him. Um, you know, he's certainly like he was on, he's on a four year, $64 million deal. Um, he wants to obviously get re-upped and he feels that, Hey, look, in this climate, um, you know, Hey, look, you know what? I got a reason to do that. Um, so especially when the guy across from me just got, you know, really, really paid. Um, you know, so I think in that sense, you know, he's got a little bit of a beef here and says to himself, all right, look, you know what? I've done well on the, on this side of the ball, um, or on this side of the line from Bosa. Um, clearly, you know, they, you know, they feel like, um, I, I might be surplus at this time. Um, but, but clearly he is, you know, a 
I think he's carrying a $16 million cap hit in, in this coming season, 2020. Um, you know, so you know, look, you know, for an outside linebacker, we just talked about it. He plays a premier position. He's a pass rusher. He gets to the quarterback. Um, you know, the only way to guarantee, you know, not guarantee, but only way to get yourself some more money and give yourself some leverage as, as he's doing is, is sitting out. Um, you know, that's really the only thing he can do. Um, he really doesn't have any, any other way or any other avenue to go about it. Um, you know, so I think uh, he is, I want to say the largest cap hit on the Chargers roster, um, you know, which does obviously provide some, some difficulties, some wiggling room, you know, maybe they give him a little bit more years. Um, you know, his base salary of 14 million is guaranteed for this year, you know, but, but really, um, you know, this kind of goes back to what you just said, you know, there are certain owners that, you know, want to, uh, you know, want to do business during the, uh, the pandemic. Um, but clearly, um, you know, this is one team that feels like, Hey, look, we can put the money into, you know, the guy across from you, Joey Bosa, but you know, we might be, able, we can't put it into you. Um, the way we can put it into him, you know, when he's, you know, in his early to mid twenties and you're 31 years old. It's a numbers game. We'll it see is. what happens to Melvin Ingram. We'll see what happens to the Los Angeles Chargers. Of course, a lot of questions concerning not only the Chargers and their starting quarterback, will it be Justin Herbert or Tyrod Taylor? And of course you can get caught up on all of their action on hard knocks every, what is it, Sunday or Monday night when those things are released. Yeah. And you'll, and you'll look, you'll see, look, you'll see Ingram out there. I mean, he'll be in the walkthroughs, he'll be in meetings, you know, what well, as they like does. to say, it's actually not a holdout, it's a hold in because he's yeah. there. Yeah, he's you there. Know, you know, he doesn't want to get fined. You know, he's just, you know, what's it going to take? What, what are we, we going to do to get me paid? You know, what's it going to take me to get, you know, get my pads on, practice a little bit? Um, yeah, so it's, it's, certainly, it's certainly a little bit of that. Just like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a hold in, not a hold out. The guy's there, though. Yep. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on everything as the season is just a day, well, a couple of weeks away, and they're, they're behind it as we're, we're talking about just 10 live practices before they start doing this thing for real. It's going to be interesting to see right from the jump as where the NFL is in 2020 and playing in this pandemic, but so far so good, but we're a long, long way from home. And of course, we'll be here every week to discuss it because when you want to know what's happening, not only in the world of football, but in the world of sports, when it comes to the economics and the business side, you keep it right here for giving the sports bits. For Maddie Marino out in Manhattan, this is Dan Avone in San Francisco, reminding you once again to give them the sports bits. So long, everybody. See you, Dan. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.